Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. Today, we're talking about self-help. Right. So self-help, I'll give a quick intro. Um, when I think of self-help, I think of Tony Robbins is like the iconic uh, self-help mm. guru that comes to mind. Uh, but there's a lot more out there. I think um, about a lot of TED Talks that are geared towards that. Definitely. I think, of what, what's that one called? Um, I heard it the other day. Oh, The Secret. Oh, oh yeah. And there's That's old school. The Secret. Yep, that's where you like you can just will it, and it will happen. That would be amazing. If you want a million dollars, you just think about it enough, and it'll happen. Think and Grow Rich, uh, Napoleon Hill. I read that book a lot. It's uh, that's definitely one of the foundational books for self help. I feel like I think about wanting to be really rich. Like I have this occasionally, like when I'm hanging out and working on something, like mowing my yard. I think about like, what if I had $10 million? What would I do with it? And I go through this in my head, this fun little game of, oh, I'd invest some of it. I would I would do some nonprofits. I would invest in church planning. I'd do all these things. It's a lot of fun. So I just feel like if the secret was true, by this point, no, no, no. I would have had the tip. You have to visualize yourself ah. getting the money, so not I, just what you do with so it. So I don't have a good enough imagination, so you're telling me. Yeah, you're not focused. They would just <laughs> tell you to focus on different things. Um, okay. So here's my question to start us off. So I have a, uh, a two or three year background in self-help and it started casually just reading books, podcasts. Mm -hmm. I loved Tim Ferriss for a long time. Uh, he wrote the four hour work week, the four hour body, the four hour chef. So just super efficient dude. And, uh, I really, um, that appealed to me because that's just something I value is efficiency, but also, um, you know, it was geared towards making money. Uh, and then I, I started escalating things over the years and I got into paid coaching and paid um, business coaching, but also mindset coaching. Okay. What's yeah. that? What was mindset coaching? Mindset coaching. And I don't even know if not everyone would call it this. Like, you know what a life coach is, right? You've heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of that. Like, so a life coach. I've never had a life coach. Like what? Like give, I mean, give me the listener as well, but. I've never actually had a life coach. Or I, I know, so that's deep. my question, but I'll get to that in a second. So I'm jumping the I'm jumping the shark. No, here. but I'm glad you brought that up. So a life coach, and I haven't actually had a life coach per se. Like life coaches are a thing. There's like a organization that ordains to borrow that word. <laughs> so you could like get paid to be a life coach. Oh yeah, you're not gonna do it for free. <laughs> I guess it's true. Yeah, so it probably takes a lot of time. You got to get paid for it. Huh? Yeah, you're you're basically. I mean, think of if you hired a personal trainer at the gym. Okay. A life coach helps you navigate like decisions and your life. And usually, it's like I'm miserable in my job. Like I want to leave. Like I'm gonna right. hire a life coach to figure out what I should do with my life. 
you know, because people don't got no clarity. They don't know what they want to do. So, like, hold on. So they they pay someone else to tell them what they want to do. Hold on. <laughs> like second. that is seriously what happens. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can get paid for that. Is that what you're about to say? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, you could. I'm to, well, I'm trying to like think this through. I'm not trying to like make fun of it at all because I, I mean, I could definitely get some of the premise of why people would want that, especially if they don't have a mentor or somebody that could really help them along. Or I get that, but I'm more just trying to think through like how does that like practically happen? Like you sit down and like go through, like here's some things I'm miserable in. They just map you out like a goal. Oh yeah. I've done it all. Yep. I can tell you exactly how to do it. Yeah, please. 50 bucks an hour. Hundred, hundred. I'm not, I'm not paying you. Oh, you look excited, but you were shocked. I do, I do want to. I know. I feel like I want to be a life coach. Now. Okay, so I was going to say, most people that get, um, that have, what do you, what do you call it, are coached by a life coach. Mm-hmm. They become a life coach. Okay. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's what I want to do. So it's just like self fulfilling prophecy. Okay. You basically out there just making more life, and that's kind of a generalization. I have no clue if that's like factually true yeah but that's what i feel like okay um anyways i'm genuinely curious because i've never actually functioned in that world at all because here's the deal like a lot of people they grow up and they want something in life usually tied to money it may not be greed and money but whatever they want freedom like for me it was always freedom it's like i don't want to be told what to do or how to do it i want to own my own business and if I have a million dollars, that's cool. I don't really care as much about money, but I know that money represents freedom. Okay. And so I'm able to hang out with my family more, like do whatever okay. I want. Yeah. So people are all motivated by different things. Um, however, when people realize they want those things, there's this huge barrier to get there and it's all about mindset. Like mm-hmm. they don't, they don't just from, you know, the glass ceiling effect, like right. if you're raising a poor environment like you don't have the wealth mindset so that's a lot of what okay mindset coaching is like helping you think like a millionaire so you can then become one i would distill it to that so my question for you is i know you you didn't know what the extent of self-help industry is Mm -hmm. um i've i've been in that industry a little more just as a participant but you you do not come from a wealthy background no like we <laughs> talked about it far from it yeah like your parents like especially your dad like wasn't wasn't very loving household wasn't sure. a lot of coaching going on or no it was very encouragement. A, a kind of a feast or famine household uh, for those that maybe haven't heard my story before i grew up on a farm in kentucky it was a large cattle and tobacco farm and i mean it was it was very much making ends meet type of life just trying to Go from month to month and make sure we had enough food on the table, bills were paid. Okay, don't make everyone cry because that's not my question. No, I'm just saying like, yeah, I mean, the idea of like building wealth or building a portfolio or like all of, like okay, that yeah, wasn't so even stop, part stop, of Okay, so stop, 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 stop. Okay, so here's my question. All right. You definitely have a millionaire mindset, I'm going to call it. <laughs> I have a millionaire mindset. You just happen to be a pastor, so you probably won't ever be a millionaire. But like... <laughs> So I've done all these, sure. this coaching and I'm not a millionaire at all, but why do you say I, I have a millionaire? Mindset? I'm telling you, I'm about to explain okay. it. Okay. So like I've been around enough people and I've had the mindset coaching. Like I am not the same person I was five, six, seven years ago. Right. Like I would have never made over a hundred grand in a year, five, six, seven years ago. And so 
I attribute that to mindset coaching mm-hmm. because I had the wrong mindset. Now, you have the right mindset. Okay. I believe I have the right mindset too. Um, but that was after a lot of coaching. You have never had coaching, but you just make good decisions. Like you're at the gym every day. Okay. You understand money and wealth and how it flows. You understand business. Uh, you understand relationships and how important they are. Mm-hmm. So like when, but you didn't come from that. Cause a lot of right. people who come from those types of families, they just get it naturally. So like, where do you think you developed everything that I have? Like I've tried to get those things. I understand mm-hmm. where I got it. So how did you get it? Like, did you have a mentor? Did you just observe the world and realize that's the mindset you have to take? Like, did you ever see a shift? Like, I don't think, I don't know if I ever saw a major shift. Um, but I will say one of the things that growing up on a farm did teach me was work ethic and the importance of working hard and that hard work pays off. Yeah. A lot of people grow up on a farm and they don't leave it. Right. Um, but there was just something inside of me that I, out of spite, out of anger, out of whatever, I did not want to perpetuate my family's legacy and just being another person that doesn't go to college and just works on the farm and gets a factory job. Like I yeah. just, I don't know why I just, I always believed that I could do more. Even as a little kid, my mom would tell you that. Like I, I was always a dreamer and maybe that's just part of what God put in me. Uh, I think so, you know, right. But I mean, as a kid, I've dreamed of playing in the major leagues mm. and I believed I could do it even though there's no evidence that I could do it. And the percentage of people that get to do that, <laughs> are very small but it was just something that I believed I could do and I worked hard and I had some talent and so I went after that thought I could go to college like that or whatever that didn't end up working out but I just believed I could do it I always had the mindset of like I would see other people doing things like I would watch people on TV or like other friends and family that were successful and I'd like get to know them and I'd realize like they're not that much different than me. So like if they can do it, why couldn't I do it? I always had like the, why couldn't I do it attitude? Hmm. I learned that when I was like 30. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so then it was just like learning, Uh, you know, I've always been very curious too. And, um, I think my curiosity has paid off in a lot of ways because, because I didn't know I would just ask and spend time around people who were successful and figure out like, what are you, what is that? What do you do? Why do you do it that yeah, way? Yeah, totally. Type of thing. So I think that that drive, that curiosity, the dreamer mentality, um, feeling like I might be meant for more than, than what I was born into, all that combined just led me down paths of trying. Right. And all my experiences just led to me failing sometimes, learning some things, being around people that weren't like me who grew up differently. Um, but that started at a young age too. Like I had friends who I would go spend time at their house with their family and they were from more white collar, uh, healthier families. And, and that was always like, Oh, there's like a different way to even do family. There's a different yeah. way to do so life. So just being exposed to things. So yeah, being exposed, but being exposed by itself isn't enough, right? You got to have some sort of drive to do something about what you're exposed to. Right. And so I think those, all that stuff combined, God just used because I wasn't a Christian at those times, but, uh, you know, obviously God, I believe God's in control of my life even before I would, like, actually acknowledge him. So, I, Yeah, because there's so many that. people that are exposed to all those same things you were, like mm-hmm. the same pain in childhood 
did not propel them to yeah. like a higher station in life. It that's why they talk about the glass ceiling because most people who grow up in poverty stay right. there. Right. Because there is this invisible glass ceiling put on them sure. that says, "Hey, don't try." And so I like that you said try because yep. that's really what what I learned. Yeah. You know, it's crazy you say that. One of the things, um, when I was in college, they did a, a documentary, 2020 did. I don't, I don't even know if they still have 2020. On you? You were there? No, no, no. But just on the area I was born in. Uh, With that, the Mountain Dew? Um, just different, like near where I was from, <laughs> eastern Kentucky. They did a, They had different families from eastern Kentucky and talking about the invisible glass ceiling, right? It was families and people who just kind of this perpetuated poverty and... And just the, because if, if you've never been to Eastern Kentucky, I mean, it's, it's like a third world country. Like it's trailer parks. Like there's, there's not much opportunity. It's a lot of drugs, a lot of. Have you seen areas in Louisiana like it? Uh, I'm sure. I mean, I haven't personally like saw something that looked just like Eastern Kentucky, but I'm sure there's yeah. areas of poverty that have a lot of similarities. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they did a documentary on 2020 when I was a kid, when I was in college uh, about, 15 years ago or so now and um, I remember watching that because I was part of this program in our college called STAR and what that was it was college students who were mentoring younger college students mm-hmm. who came from Eastern Kentucky region because I went to Eastern Kentucky University which was in Richmond Kentucky which was near that that part of Kentucky and so they knew like students would come and a lot of them would leave the first week because it was so unfamiliar and so scary and they'd never been outside of that world before and so many of them would drop out of college even though they had the grades to stay in just because they just they just it was so unfamiliar that invisible glass ceiling they were afraid of it and but what they knew the research showed if they could build friendships if they could have a mentor they could get them through that first semester a lot of them would end up sticking it out and staying and and going on further and so I would I had like freshmen assigned to me I was a junior and I would invest in them and kind of disciple them in a way um, kind of like life coach, I guess. I guess I was a life coach. Yeah. Because I would help them. You just weren't getting paid. Yeah. Because I'd sit and we'd talk through their their homework and helping them like kind of figure out a game plan to do well in school and, and help them kind of think Now, through. when you were doing this, did you have like empathy or compassion yeah, for, sure. for them? Because I was just like that. I right. So friend. someone else, you think oh, it'd yeah. be a lot more difficult? Like You know, and, and honestly, makes- I, had a, I had a friend like that. His name is Matt Mofield. And um, he was my best friend growing up, and he's the one that taught me into going ahead and coming to college with him. Because um, that first year, after I didn't end up getting any scholarships because of the injury or whatever in baseball, I, I kind of felt like my uh, college dreams were done because my family couldn't afford for me to go to college. So I just went to community college, technical school, actually, the first year. And uh, just I was going to get a factory job. I was just going to do it. I thought that the dream was over. And oh, because your baseball dream was over, uh-huh. right? And, so you uh, kind of, so you were you were pushing towards the baseball dream. You're going to yeah. major league. So even well, in high gonna, school, you still thought major league. Well, I thought at least college. Uh, at least okay. baseball was going to afford me to go to college and have a career beyond uh, the farm life. Right. Things. So then you got hurt and just defaulted right yeah. back into the glass. Because I, I started to feel sorry for myself. You had I, one way out, and that way didn't work. So for a while, you. Well, because my family, I mean, it was, it's not, no, it was no secret. Like the reason why most of my family didn't go to college is because none of them could, could even afford to try to go to college, right. you know, on their own. And so, and 
you know, that was that was always going to be my way out. And so when I got injured my junior year and the offers kind of stopped or the opportunities for it kind of stopped, I thought, well, that was that was my one shot. It's over. And so I went to technical college, did um, an industrial maintenance degree, which was basically I worked with three phase electricity and welding and machine tool and could make all this kind of stuff. And, and that was to get you into like major factors. I'd be like the the head maintenance of the whole factory could, you know, fix everything that kind of Yeah. Which was a good, solid paying job and work on the farm on the side. And that was going to be life. And, uh, I was depressed. Like I, cause I felt like everything I had worked for was over. And, and that I felt like I hit that glass ceiling. Like, you know, I felt stupid, you know, like I was going to try all this yeah. stuff and, and then it was over. And then that summer, uh, after that year, my buddy, He's like my best friend. Came home and he was just like, "Man, oh, you could do it." Was he go. like uh, from the farm? Kinda, yeah. Like we we were Not from the same farm. area, but like his his family had a little like a little more wealthy, a little bit more stable. Yeah. Um, and like he was able to kind of afford to go on to college and stuff like that. And he was just like, "Man, you can do it. Like you get financial aid. Like you would, you would do fine. You know all that kind of stuff." He was kind of like a life coach in some ways, just a really great friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, he kind of just taught me into it, like, "Man, just give it a shot." And so he helped me apply for financial aid. I got it because our family's income was so low. We actually got a lot of financial aid and did the rest with student loans and went and got a part-time job. And next thing I know, the next year I'm I'm at a university, which was really exciting and and completely scary. So. I, Going back to your question, did I have empathy? Yeah, I had a lot of empathy because, man, I I remember that first week laying in my dorm room, laying in my bed, feeling terrified. Like I didn't know anybody except for my buddy Matt. Mm. I was, But I wasn't living in the dorm with him. He already had like assignment for a dorm, like the way it worked. So I wasn't just with a stranger I didn't know, in a place I didn't know, like outside of the farm, like miles away, you know, in a different yeah. city, different town. And like it was weird. It was definitely like, like I shouldn't did be. You feel here. like you deserve to be there, or didn't deserve? Oh, to be definitely there? did not deserve. Like yeah. I didn't feel like I fit at all. Like I shouldn't be here. Like this is totally wrong. Like yeah, you know, like when you step out of out of your comfort zone and like you do something brand new, it's like you you have a lot of self doubt, right? Mm-hmm. And so I and so I really em- empathize with these other college students because I knew. Cause at that point I'm a junior and you know, it, it took a few months, but you know, I got involved. The biggest thing was getting involved, right? Like Matt took me around. He was in a fraternity. I got plugged in with that, started doing stuff on campus. And next thing you know, I have friends and all of a sudden it felt like home. Right. But that first couple of weeks I couldn't, like I would have went home. Like I definitely thought about it multiple times. Like I yeah. should just go home. And so when I was mentoring these freshmen, my biggest thing was like to help them get plugged in and realize like you can do this, you can make it. And for those that, that had the mentors and were able to make some friends and get plugged in with some different organizations on campus, whatever, they ended up sticking it out and, and did great. And then those that didn't, most of them ended up going back home Mm -hmm. and never finishing college. So, I mean, it's so true. Um, how I could see how life coaching, is appealing for a lot of people because it does work. Well, and it sounds like we both learned the same lesson. You just somehow got it naturally, and I had to pay a lot of money and do a lot of like, <laughs> right. extracurriculars to learn it. But trying, 
mm-hmm. like as corny and simple as it sounds, like if you don't like where you're at, try right. something else. Like you, you had to like try to, to do baseball, you had to try right. to go to the next level. You got hurt. Then you had to try to go to college. You had to try to get involved. Right. And so there's this common theme with trying. So is it the fear? Like, cause you, you mentioned that, like there's this, like when you were there, you felt uneasy. There was self doubt. So there was this fear, but you were in the middle of, you're already there. So right. like, is it the fear of that? Like feeling out of place that keeps people from trying? Cause like, I'm trying to figure out why don't people try? Like, why are people stuck? What is it that right. prevents them? I mean, it's definitely fear. I mean, I can speak from my own experience and I think it relates to other people. And I think we see this a lot in scripture. We'll talk about later, but the fear of, of just failing. Like one of the things that going through my head is like, I'm not going to be able to do this. Like, what am I doing here? Like I wasn't a great student in high school and, and I went to Pulaski County high school in Eastern Kentucky. It was not like top of the line. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I did okay there, but like I, I had never studied. That sounds crazy. Right. But you know, small town, I'm on the baseball team, pretty good athlete. I got away with a lot. I was pretty smart, but honestly, I copied off a lot of other students. I did all that kind of stuff. And so, like, I'd never yeah. actually, I was a pretty smart kid. You never but tried. I, but I never applied myself to actually studying. And here I am, like, now it's on me. I'm in college. Like, they don't have to pass me. I'm spending money. Like, I could fail out of this thing. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of fear of, like, can I even do this? Should I even be here? And also, when you come from, for, for my story, you come from a small town like that. Like, you're only used to people just like you. I mean, I'm coming from, like, I mean, where I'm living, like, there's, like, a thousand people. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not like I have a whole lot of diversity in my life. Now I'm at so a university. you're totally out of your element. Yeah. And which the diversity ended up being a great thing for me. But at that time, you know, I don't know anyone who is even from a city, let alone different ethnicity, different culture. And now I'm surrounded by people. I'm I'm in a dorm living with a guy. I don't even remember his name now from a totally different state like I mean it just was completely out of my comfort zone and so feeling very like vulnerable a lot of like self-doubt because at this point and maybe this you know we'll get to probably what a, a lot of the problem is the reason why I had so much fear is because it all r- rose and fell on me mm-hmm. my success or my failure like me being successful or me not being successful in life in my mind at that time all had to do with me and my abilities, my talents, my drive. So what was that. at the end of failure for you? Like, what is the fear there? Like you failed then what? Like not what being, are, what's not being the, worthy, like not being worth anything. Hmm. I mean, doing that, like pursuing all that was to prove to myself that I had worth, that I was worth something that I had purpose. And, even at that time, I wasn't really sure what that purpose even was. I just knew, you know, growing up like many of us did, to do anything in life super successful, college was the key. If you don't have a college degree, you don't do anything beyond just a labor job. And a lot of my hope and a lot of my success was built around what type of job I could do, like the prestige of that, right? Like, I'm from a family of farmers and moonshiners, <laughs> you know, like we don't really have a lot of prestige and legacy. Um, Unless you get on a TV show. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who knew? 
Discovery Channel later was going to make a show called Moonshiners. Mm-hmm. Totally could have been famous. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, that's that's what was going through my head at those times. Like the way for me to find worth and purpose in this world and to prove to myself and to prove and to prove my family wrong, which by the way, like a lot of my family were not like super like behind me. It was a lot of like, you're not going to make it. Right. You know, and so to prove prove the naysayers and the haters wrong and to and to prove to myself that I was worth more than that glass ceiling was to have a prestigious career in something and make money and and not live the poor farm life, but to live the I don't know, the upper middle class life or the rich life maybe, you know. All right, so we're teasing this out a little bit. We got the basically the blueprint to get out of your station in life, wherever that is, poverty or just a job you hate is number one, trying, but Mm -hmm. Oh wait, you don't want to try because there's a fear of failure underneath that fear of failure. There's a fear of not being worthy, Mm -hmm. but logically you can see that, okay, there's never true failure. Like you're never done. You can always just like Aaliyah said, pick yourself up and try again. Sure. So (laughs) who said it? Aaliyah. (laughs) Pick yourself up and try again and try again. I'm not sure if, like, m- many people now even know who you're talking about. But she I know what you're talking crash. about. I know what you're talking about. See <laughs> <laughs> anyway. can't try again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's old references. Yeah. It's showing her age. With inside play. jokes. Okay. <laughs> so underneath the fear of failure is this fear of not being worthy. Oh, we already said that. So... Why can't people just see like, hey, you can just keep trying. Like your worth is never decided. Like I know you have much better advice, mm-hmm. biblically speaking, but just like secularly, why can't people just not be afraid of being unworthy because they can keep trying? Well, I think all of us have um, the knowledge within inside of us that we're not that good. I... I and you can say you don't really believe in sin or believe in hell, and that's fine. But I, but just as humans, we know we're flawed. We know we're not perfect. We know we're not good. And so we're constantly trying to prove to ourselves and everybody else that we have something to offer. And it's almost like, I think, fighting against, like, a monster chasing us, in a sense. Like, Ooh. I got to keep keep up. I got to keep being successful because if I stop, if I fall, if I fail— I'm going to eventually succumb to that thing that I know, which is I'm not as good as I think I am. I'm worried about other people finding out I'm not as good. Yeah, so we're hiding. Yeah. I mean... So success just allows us to hide better. Oh, sure. I mean, I think all the time, even as a even as a pastor, I guess, in a sense, I've been successful in a way that um, I sh- I've str- striven to be or strove to be. I don't know how you say that exactly. Strived. Strived. Striven, strove. <laughs> Probably not striven, but <laughs> whichever the word is. Wait, but. wait. I was writing down a quote that you said. Um, success uh. allows us. Oh, I, I said it. <laughs> I was <laughs> quoting myself. Oh man. <laughs> Anyways, um, but that if we if we stop, then we know that everybody's going to find out what we already feel about ourselves. There's been many times, even as a pastor, as I was saying. That I've even said to my wife, like, I don't know, like, other people see 
will say things to me and it's very kind of them to say, you know, I'm good at this or I've helped them or whatever, but I don't always feel like I'm that guy mm-hmm. inside, you know, which I think is ultimately good because I want God to be the one working through me. I'm not, I'm not great. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I'm just faithful enough to be used greatly. But like that feeling still is there now. Like I, if I'm trusting in myself and I think this is true for any of us as humans, we're trusting ourselves we're also trusting ourselves with the knowledge that we very well could fail and we're not as good as we portray to be a lot of times and or as when other people start to like say how much they think we're doing well and all this success we start having it's tough to even be successful or to have success because sometimes we can feel kind of like a fraud in some ways yeah you know but that's deep. You've bro. asked me all these <clears throat> questions. Why did you get into self help? Um, like what same exact reason. Like I felt like a fraud. I felt like I was hiding, and I knew if I could, like I couldn't have, I couldn't get success because I was trying to be successful because I wanted to hide better. I didn't know that's what I wanted. I just, I wanted to do what everybody else was doing. Like everyone was starting these businesses and like getting all this money, and I wanted to be financially free. And like when, as I tried to do that, I just couldn't do it. And I just saw so many people around me that were able to make like, they just made good decisions in, in life in general. And I felt like I couldn't, I felt like I was holding on by a thread. Like, yeah. So I finally, I think it was 2008 or 2010, like, cause self-help was always uncool. Right, because like I was the guy in high school, I never studied either, but I made good grades. Mm. But and it was like the the more I tried, the less cool it looked, you know. So like an A without trying is, or a B without trying is better than an A with like the, you know, st- studying super hard and all that stuff. Okay. So that was my mentality in school, which I know a lot of people can relate relate to that. But that was my mentality with everything, like when I joined the Navy and wanted to be a mm-hmm. SEAL, like. I wanted to like just make it like and it'd be easy and it wasn't at all but <laughs> just listen to what you just said i tried navy seal to like barely try well it's like this would be way better because it, it like proves more self-worth to me if i can do it and it's easy and if i fail because here's the mm-hmm. strategy behind that if i fail i can say well i didn't really try so so it's safe not trying your hardest is really a cover-up like it's a you're already already like you're kind of like falling before you get punched in a way. Like, yeah. So, so the blow doesn't, if I don't try as hard, then I, then the, then the failure doesn't hurt as much. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't know this now, but I was fighting with one hand behind my back though, the whole time, because I was never trying that hard. Cause I was looking to, to follow your analogy. I was looking, I was focusing more on when I could fall, like before I got punched Yeah. rather than like, let me deliver my best punches ever. So right. I just wasn't operating fully. And that was my issue the whole time. But I didn't recognize that. I thought it was like, oh, I'm just not good enough. But like, there's got to be some way I can like bake it through. So like mm-hmm. the first self-help book I secretly read. Like I didn't let okay. anyone know. And I was like, oh, I'm getting a lot of good info in here. But like, <laughs> I can't tell anybody because when I'm a millionaire business owner, like I'm going to do it on my own. You're going to you know? pretend like you didn't get any help. Exactly. That was my mindset. A hundred percent. What was your first book? I believe it was four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Okay. 
and it was like pretty corny but like pretty helpful too just like what was the premise of that book so for our work week is like this is how to design your life and your business in a way that allows you to work four hours a week wherever you want in the world and travel wherever you want and I didn't care about traveling but I wanted oh if I can work four hours and make my income you know then like I'll be set like so that was kind of like so you're saying like everybody could do that if they wanted to oh probably he would tell you yes but it's through like I don't know so his book is actually very useful like as a business owner it teaches you about like concepts like virtual assistants. So you can get someone in Indonesia to be your virtual assistant for $2 an hour really? and they can answer phone calls and um, answer emails and do all this stuff. So he had like tons of tips and tricks on how to do that. He was like, he would teach you how to like do a patent for an idea. Anyways, I don't mm-hmm. want to get into that too much, but um, yeah. So with that being said. That was said. <laughs> you... You were in the Navy SEALs. You started reading your first self-help book. So Yeah, so then I started trying businesses, and I, my first business was a T-shirt business, and it sucked because I had a partner, and he was just, just like me. He was like, we're going to figure this out because other people have, but we're not going to try too hard. You know, it's just <laughs> going to come to us kind of type thing. Why T-shirts? Because a friend of ours was a T-shirt printer, and so we were like, oh, that'd be cool. And we just got inspired one day, like, it was actually three of us that started it, and all three of our wives, we were living in Hawaii, yeah. all three of our wives were on the mainland at the time, and so we were all hanging out together a bunch, and like that weekend, the idea for the business was born, hmm. but it never went anywhere, and it, it kind of like fizzled on for two years. I mean, I was still in the Navy at the time, so it was part-time, but, and then I tried to farm, and that failed. Which that's ironic. Did you know how to farm? <laughs> yeah, you tell me this story. Yeah. I, I still laugh about what you tried to do in Louisiana. <laughs> and then for about a year, I tried flipping houses and was failing. And the past year, it's it's been taking off. So yeah, that's a little good. more it's, than a it's year. Been now, a, huh? Well, the first year was like I was still in the Navy and not much was going on with it, but I was learning a lot. And that's when my new mindset started kicking in, like basically trying. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not afraid of failure. For me, it was a pivotal book I read called. Uh, mindset by Carolyn Dweck. She's a psychologist, I guess, a psychiatrist. I don't know, but it's about the fixed and the growth mindset. And I grew up with a fixed mindset, which is whatever intelligence or ability that I have has mm-hmm. been decided and is fixed inside of me. And all I can do is find out what that is. Mm-hmm. The growth mindset is like it's your potential is unlimited. Right. It's just a, ma- a matter of how much can you learn and grow and adapt in an environment to a certain skill set. And there's no fixed ability in you. It's just, it's all learned. And so once I read that, I started like finding this whole community of people that believe that. And we started reading more stuff. And I'm like, wow, nobody's a self-made man. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started adopting that mindset. So, because there's a lot of true things in what you're saying, and I think the reason why a lot of these books are successful is because there's some truth to them all, like having an organization, having a vision, have like... Well, no, let me, let me ask the questions here. So, <laughs> okay, for whenever it was when I picked up that self-help book, because right. I was a Christian at the time, I'd been a Christian for six years. Ten, I, 
shoot, I don't even know at this point. I was saved in like a freshman in high school, and right. this was it's a young life. Right? Whatever, ten years, yeah. So I was a Christian ten years, but I hadn't grown at all. And so let's say I'd come to you at that point. I was, you know, twenty four years old, and I didn't know, like. I had no idea the value of trying hard and putting yourself out there right. because I was afraid of, you know, being found unworthy. So like, how would you have counseled me then? I wanted to pick up a self-help book, go to this right. course, go see this guru. How would you have counseled me at that time? Well, f- the first thing that I would have told you is the part of that feeling that you're feeling is right, that you're not worth anything in yourself. Cause I think the biggest problem is, we tried to cover up that feeling instead of embracing what's true. Because what we what we're feeling is the truth that the Bible tells us, Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That because of Adam and Eve's sin and Genesis three, sin came into the world and the truth is that we all fall short of God's glory. And we feel that. Like a lot of our life is running from that truth. Wanting to be better, wanting to cover that up, hide that truth, fix that thing, right? A lot of that fear, a lot of that not trying your hardest comes out of not wanting to realize the fact that you're not as good as you want to be and that if you do try your hardest, you may fail and find your worth in those successes versus failures when that's not where our worth comes from. So the first thing I would say is, man, we got to embrace the truth that we're sinful and we're going to fall short and this life's not about us that this life's about God then we talk about well then why should we even do anything why should we even have why do we even have purpose like where does our worth come from and our worth comes from God through Christ right we know the Bible tells us that the free gift of God in Romans six twenty three is through eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord who Romans uh, 5 8 for while we were still sinners Christ died for us God's love for us knows that we are sinful knows that we're falling short wants to redeem us back to himself for the purpose we were created for which is to know him to love him to worship him and to love others and that he has created a purpose for each one of us specifically that is unique to us to use our gifts our talents to make an impact on this world for his glory and for the gospel and that's where true purpose and worth comes from. That's where success comes from. Those, all that growth mindset, all that self-help stuff that's true is a general grace in the sense of, yeah, we're called to be stewards. We're called to work hard. We're called to be excellent. We're called to do all these things that are true, but it's not for ourselves. It's for a greater purpose. Mm. And that greater purpose is where we find our true hope and we find our true worth. And so the Christians should work the hardest but the Christian's worth doesn't come from his success. Okay, I have so many questions. One, what you basically just laid out was the gospel, mm-hmm. which I had known the gospel. I was saved for 10 right. years. So why didn't that, like, did I just miss it? Well, obviously I did. That's a great question. <laughs> that's more of a question for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it could be a discipleship issue. Like, it's one thing to know the basic gospel of salvation of we're sinners and we need Jesus and through a relationship with Christ, uh, we're saved by his grace because of his payment for sin. Right. I think for most people, myself included, it just kind of mm-hmm. stops at, 
I'll now have eternity in heaven. But but it's a growth. And I don't have to feel bad for my sin. Yeah. But it's a discipleship issue, meaning a growth issue. Um, you don't know what that really means, the implications of all that. If you only think it one think of it one dimensionally as this is, allows me when I die not to have to go to hell, you are missing the entirety of the gospel. Mm. Like there's so much more to this life here and now and what God is doing and this redemptive story that is has been happening since the beginning of time, since Genesis three and Adam and Eve's failure to now and beyond how God is pursuing our, his people and redeeming his people. And then we have our own individual stories that are happening in, in that great story, right? That we're all a part of that redemptive story. And so we've all been created for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says we're created for good works, right? In Christ, and that's what we're meant for. But without a relationship with Christ, we can never realize those things. But we know that we're meant for something, and we also know that we're not good enough. And so we're constantly wrestling trying to figure that out. And the world's answer is, hey, let's cover up that feeling of failure and that feeling of worthlessness with success. Right. And let me tell you how to get success. Well, it's self-talk. They're like, you're perfect. You're beautiful. Right. You are loved. Right. Like, Which really you're just lying to yourself. Huh? I mean, think about it. Like, you are, you are loved by God, but you're not perfect. Not because of... But not just because of inherently who you are, because of he created you. Because of who he is. Right? But you're not perfect. Like, you're going to tell yourself, I am perfect the way I am. Well, you're you're lying to yourself and you know it. You're not perfect the way you are. (laughs) Right. Like, you know that. That's why you are afraid of failure. You feel that. But you think you're just overcoming these, like, fears of You think it's just the self-talk. I just got to tell myself enough. Yeah. That seems like the right thing to do, but it's not true. What's the right thing to do is embrace that I'm not good enough, but that God's good enough, and that He sent His Son so that we could be restored back into a relationship with God as sons and daughters, and His purposes. His Holy Spirit works through us to accomplish His purposes, and He makes us good. In the gospel, we can say we are good. Okay, so here's a, a question that would be helpful to me, my 24-year-old me. I go, so you're probably going to like still come to the conclusion that I need to start trying more because like something's holding me back, this fear of failure. So mm-hmm. what is, what is my like self-talk then? Like I'm about to go try something. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of being found unworthy. I know right. like that's untrue, but like, right. what do I say after yeah. that? It's like, yeah, I am unworthy. And now well, what? The cool thing is the gospel is actually what gives you the freedom to try. You're, you were afraid to try. That was your biggest thing, right? I don't want to try my hardest because I might fail. I want to leave something on the table so I can just say, hey, I, I Because what you were life. mostly worried about was figuring out that, that your worth wasn't, wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. You don't have any worth. That's what you're mostly afraid about. And the cool thing is Christ satisfies all that. Like our worth is in Jesus. Our identity is in Christ. We're already successful. We have everything we would ever need as far as approval, as far as having the God of the universe as our father and a relationship with him, like we have eternity with him. We've already succeeded. And so from that, now I have the courage to try anything. I have the courage to be faithful. I have the courage to dream and do whatever God's called me to do. That seems impossible, but with God, nothing's impossible. And I have the freedom to try 
and to go after the, the dreams that he's put in my heart and use the gifts because failure doesn't mean that I'm not worthy. That failure just means, okay, if I try something and it doesn't go well, I learn from it and I keep moving because I just want to make God's name known and I just want to do what he's called me to do. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Because like, I feel that. So now I'm not afraid to fail because I'm not going to be found unworthy because of who Christ is. But now what's my motivation? You just hinted towards making his name known. Right. Is that our motivation to try? Because sometimes it still feels like we're building up like our own name when we're putting ourselves out there over and over trying, especially in business. Well, if we look in Genesis one and two, we were, when we were created, when man was first created, we were created to steward and take dominion over the earth. Like that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to cultivate culture. We're supposed to cultivate um, relationships. We're supposed to make a difference in this world. We're supposed to create like God's a creator and we're created in his image. So we're creative too. Mm -hmm. And so you can glorify God through a, a real estate, a house flipping business, mm-hmm. but it's why, why are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? And what are you using it for in, in the long scheme of things? Mm-hmm. And God, yeah, he'll provide for you through it, but then you're responsible to steward his provision for his glory and for others. Good. Right. And so it's in the building and, and working hard and being successful. And it's in that success that we have more opportunities to be great stewards and to bless people and to help people and to be the person that's there to serve someone else in their time of need. And we find great joy and worth and purpose in doing that too. And all of it for God's glory. So that courage to do that and that drive comes from like from God himself. Like why wouldn't we want to make the God, the creator, the creator of the universe known Mm -hmm. and we worship him through our actions through doing our very best to serve him, to love him and to show his character, his excellence, his glory through our work. Right. And we have the freedom to do so. Like it's so much, there's so much joy. There's a lot of, there's still like unknown and fear. But when I know God has put a dream in my heart to go and to do something like plant this church or even now, uh, I feel like God's put a lot of dreams on my heart for our counseling ministry and what that could look like and um, working with other people in our church to make that happen. That seems impossible. It seems like a pie-in-the-sky dream, but I have so much joy and courage in trying to make that happen because of what it what it will do for our community and for the world and ultimately what God will do through it. And there's no there's no fear of failure because my worth doesn't come from whether or not that succeeds or fails. That's true courage. Right. That self-help can never give you. Okay, so here's the next thing, self-help answers that I want to get your advice on, or 24-year-old me. Now, I've identified, so there's two more questions I got to answer. One, it was, what do I want? Like, Mm -hmm. what do I want out of life? At the time, I thought it was money because money will give me whatever. I wasn't really greedy. Like, I didn't want, like, I'm not very showy. Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. want nice cars and, like, big old houses all over the place. But, um, I did want money because I thought it would buy me freedom. Right. So maybe let's just answer, like tackle that question first. And I have another one after that. So how do you coach someone or in your case, counsel someone to like figure out what they want and help them see what it is they're really trying to do? Does that make sense? Or is that still too secular? Well, what I would say first is 
why do you want freedom and what is why is money going to provide that freedom probably my first question if i were counseling you Mm -hmm. so why did you want freedom well i i think at the time it was because i didn't want to work like i didn't want to be in the navy anymore i had three kids two or three kids at the time and i wanted um i wanted to be able to get out of the navy and not work for anybody because I can't, I did at the time I was like too immature and probably still am to work for <laughs> anybody. Why? Like what, what about working for someone is hard for you? Uh, I don't know. I just always feel like they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, but seriously, that's probably half of it. I just like anytime I was under someone, like I didn't trust them. I didn't think they were a good leader and I wanted to either like do things differently or mm-hmm. just like go do my own thing sure so i was like well i'll never have this issue if i'm self-employed right but if i'm self-employed i need to make enough money right so and i just there's also like i want to be successful like i want people to look at me and say Mm -hmm. oh wow he's crushing it you know right like at the time that was very important to me and so for you like if you were a business owner and the the business was doing well then yeah i recognize that as like like there's no way i could go work for someone for 20 years and like be wealthy. I wanted it right. quick and I could do that with a business. Right. And I would say all those issues really stem once again from wanting to find your worth and what other people thought or what the world would call success or not wanting to have to submit to authority or serve others. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. And as much as I'd love to like hang out in that fun <laughs> topic. Well, you, so how would you get you to the good me. part where you tell me what I'm made for and what I should go do? Right. Because like, that's all helpful. I'm sure. Right. And I need to spend time there, but how do we get to like, cause a, a life coach eventually says, yeah. Oh, this is what you're made for. Right. Cause you took this test. So like, how do you get to that? Well, I don't know what test they have you take, but what I would say is you're asking the wrong question. Mm. The right this question. This is good. This is headway. This is what I need to know. Well, the right, the right question wouldn't have been, how do I become successful and free? The first question would be, what does God want me to do and what am I created for? If mm. I'm following God, like that's got to be my first question. Mm. What am I supposed to be doing? What does he want me to do? If I if he's Lord of my life, if if I've said... I trust Christ as Lord and my Savior, then, and I believe God has created me and designed me for a purpose, as the Bible says, then God is the one who knows what I should be doing. And and in whatever God has me for on this earth is where I'll be most satisfied, whether that be a business owner or working for someone else. That doesn't even really matter. What matters was finding what God has you to do, like what he has for you. So you're asking the wrong question anyway. Yeah. And that's the problem with self-help is it's all about yourself. But when you ask that question, it's like, well, of course God's going to make me go to church and like plant a church or do something like that. That's so, not true. God needs missionaries. God needs a whole earth full of people. Like when he, like when he set up Israel, but you know how like if have, there's this everybody wasn't priests, <laughs> you know? But you know how there's this like, well, maybe that's just me then that thought that because mm-hmm. it's like, if I get 
That's Back more of a Christian. If I give my life idea. over to God, then he's like, I'm going to go be a missionary and leave my wife and family. Like, well, I think that's the wrong definition of missionary anyway, because yes, God has called all of us to be missionaries in where he has us, but he needs just as many people being missionaries in the workplace as he does leading churches. Hmm. So, so you would definitely encourage some people that come to you, depending on their yeah. story. I know everyone's story is, every story is different to maybe stay in their workplace and Absolutely. be that missionary. Not everybody, like the calling to be a pastor is, is a different calling, a higher calling. And it's not for everyone. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But there's no shame in that. Like we need people in the business world leading excellent businesses and, and demonstrating Christian character and investing in their employees and their yeah. customers and the gospel. Like we need that. Like we, as a pastor, I want, the people in our church to think of themselves as missionaries and and taking advantage of their area of influence to spread the gospel. I don't want them all coming and working on my staff. Like, like we're not all meant to be pastors, and our job as pastors is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, which means to go out and do ministry. So I want people to be out in the world spreading the gospel. Mm-hmm. So that idea that Oh, the highest calling is to be a pastor isn't necessarily true. Being a pastor is is a special high calling, a very honorable calling, yes. Well that may be just my personality. But it doesn't mean I tend that to jump to the if you surrender your life to God, he's gonna immediately say your only choice is either be a pastor or move overseas and be a missionary. Mm-hmm. But Well that may be a with, relief to a lot of people. But with that being said, when we come to the Lord it's being willing to do anything, including if he does call you to be a missionary. If he so does what does that look overseas. like? I mean, for a person looking to seek what the Lord, let's say they've been a Christian a long mm-hmm. time, like I was, yeah, or recently a Christian, or maybe they're hearing this and thinking they, right. they want to give it a shot. So mm-hmm. what does that look like practically for them to say, like, I want to do what you want me to do, Lord? Well, I think it's first and foremost coming in prayer every day spending time with God every day, reading the Bible, seeking to know what the Bible has to say and and understanding it correctly, as well as praying and asking God to show you. Because God's a big God. If you ask and you have a humble heart and you're seeking and waiting on Him, He's going to show you. And He usually shows you through putting major desires on your heart, and He'll make it clear through many different means, but mostly through your time in the Word and your time in prayer and worship and and through that but he'll also speak through godly friends and speak through other means too how about pastors pastors yes of course so that's something like someone in your church can come to you and kind of like seek that not as like because i know you do the counseling yeah i mean i'm not gonna be able to say here's what god has for you but i am gonna be able to help help them think through to pray to seek the right questions to seek to how to pray for that as they're thinking through to process it biblically, yeah, of course, to mentor through that. But ultimately, God's going to put on your heart what He has for you. And sometimes it may take time. You know, the first thing I always say is, if you're not doing the little things, then He's not going to show you the big things. Like praying, like, reading your Bible? If you're not just doing the basic spiritual disciplines of spending time with God every day, you're right, praying, reading your Bible, memorizing Scripture, meditating on it, thinking about it, like just spending time with God and actually trying to grow in Christ and and then learning how to share your faith and 
and just be faithful in the things he's called all of us to. Don't expect him to like call you overseas and then you're going to start doing that stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's in those basic spiritual disciplines where the relationship with God is built and it's through doing that and serving and doing the things he's called you to do that he directs you into the things that he's called you to. Yeah. So if somebody comes to me and says like, I really feel called to missions. And then we start talking about their everyday life and they don't share their faith with anybody. They barely read their Bible, their prayer life is sporadic. They don't go to church regularly. I want to say like, I don't really think that's possible that you're called to that, Mm. (laughs) you know, because are you going to go overseas and not share your faith there? Just like you're not here. Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. You know what I mean? That's good. Well, that answers my other question. <laughs> what was that? I forget. <laughs> but it answers it. Because it was like, you, you meet with a life coach, it'll be like, well, what do I want to do with my life? And they tell you that. And then you're like, okay, well, like, how am I going to do it? And mm-hmm. it's, you know, like the practical, like, um, uh, not exercising, but like the practical steps towards whatever the new goal is. Right. But that, I mean, if you're doing that, like if you're... If you're expecting God to show up in any way, he's going to show up in that way. Right. Not only helping you see his vision for your life, Mm -hmm. but also how, like, it's going to be probably really clear how to do it once you see what it is you need to do or want to do. Sure. So that's cool. To me, it's like. And realizing it's a journey. So that's the other thing about some of these life coaches, like success, like there, it seems to be like a. A preferred destination. destination. Like if you do these things, you'll start making money and you'll be. You know, you be a millionaire and you'll be successful. And and your identity is in when you get that success, right? And that's what you're striving for. Is that basically kind of the goal? Well, okay, so I will just interject real quick because we got to end this thing. Uh, I went down the rabbit hole of self-help, like into thousands and thousands of dollars of coaching per like thing like the last one i did was a ten thousand dollar coaching course and there was an upsell for twenty five thousand man and they thought i had the money at the time i would have done it dude anyways so we should have been friends a lot earlier you could have just gave that to me i didn't have the money (laughs) (laughs) credit card bro oh gosh so that's even worse so you're gonna get successful by putting yourself in debt to people to tell you how to be successful does that make any sense? That doesn't at all? make any sense. I mean, like, Sorry. think about it as Not an to make investment. Fun of your life, but that's a really bad decision. Oh man! <laughs> hey, got me where I'm at today. That's true. Like, God is sovereign. That's true. But if you think about it as an investment in you, right. like people invest in all sorts of things, but they don't invest in themselves. Like, what's ten grand on me? Like, yeah. It's, in some instances, it's a, it's a good bet. So, and if it takes a little bit of interest payments, well. Okay, so it was 12. <laughs> so I'll pay 12. Anyways, what I found with this, and like honestly in that industry, 10 grand is nothing. Like people pay a million dollars a year to be coached. Really? Yes. Tony Robbins, that's his thing. Like he coaches people for a wow. million dollars a year. Not high level people, high, high level people. Anyways, what I found in this particular curriculum, I would call it, is that their like highest... And they weren't anti-Christian. Like they were even like very seemingly Christian, like Christian themes, which I think is just because they borrowed on the Christian themes because that is where a lot of power comes from. Sure. Um, Is their ultimate 
destination is this idea that it's growth basically right like hey i'll only be happy as long as i'm growing Mm -hmm. and so it is a journey for them but the journey the means to the end the end being growth Mm -hmm. like that's what they're always looking for and that's their god that they serve essentially growth but if you think about like growth like it's pretty like well thought out like that is there's nothing else that you can, because anything else that you do in life, like right. you can either achieve it or keep failing at it, which both of those suck. Because if you ever talk to people like, so there's like one thing Tony Robbins does, he coaches people after they win Super Bowls, goes to the moon, whatever, like these after, people. After they won the Super Bowl? Yeah. So once people hit, <laughs> what I say? I just say like it's kind of like it was funny sounding like he he'll coach you after you've achieved yeah this the is great, why the great or after you go to the moon like these two extreme things because I think there was I don't know the story that well but there was a rookie who won the Super Bowl his first year mm-hmm. and so he was depressed I I, th- I don't know about him if he was depressed but what happens with these athletes and these high level people is they get depressed when they achieve their biggest desire because right. then then what. There's right. nothing else. And so if you're a, a striving for growth, there's always growth. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always more. So what like these coaches would do is have them get a bigger purpose. And it's just always, you just got to find a bigger purpose. And yeah. that purpose is revolved around growth. So you'd probably be the best to answer this question. Maybe this would be a good like landing point. The best in this room. Since, well, yeah. There's only two of us. <laughs> That's true. But since you went through all the self-help and bought the books, literally, and all that good stuff. So what's the difference? So in self-help, it's once you achieve the goal, you got to get a bigger goal, and it's constantly about growth. And then, obviously, you're not invested in the self-help world now. You're invested in Christ and in the church. And so how have you experienced the difference between the self-help world and, and actually being a part of a a biblical community and a Bible-believing church? Well, I mean, I feel like you saw my my transformation, and you may not have noticed it because of where I came from. Like, you didn't really know me as, as like, you didn't know me until we met. And I, right. But the thing is, like, I immediately shifted when we met. And we start, when I started hearing real truth and the gospel mm-hmm. preached correctly, that I'm the problem, and so this thing that I'm spending all this time and money on fixing so I can achieve these other things that I don't even know why I'm trying to achieve them. Yeah. Like that's the problem. Well, immediately overnight, I was like completely done with every self-help thing. Not because it was like, oh, I can't ever go back to that. I immediately lost all desire and need for it because, because you've- the truth of the gospel. I was like, oh, I'm the problem. Mm. So what's the point in fixing the problem? When Christ has the answer. Sure. And that was that was the shift. Now, I still feel like I borrow on their mindsets a lot, which right. is hard. Like, I wish I would have known this before I went down that rabbit hole because I would want to, like, I want Christ to have all the glory, which mm-hmm. he does ultimately. I understand that. But it still feels like I get a lot of my mindset from the coaching that I've, I've gotten. But that's why I love your story because you've, haven't had any coaching Mm -hmm. and you have the same mindset I do. Right. And that's why we get along so well. Well, I'd say the growth mindset is biblical, not self. It doesn't belong to self-help even though they borrowed it. Mm. That's good. But growth isn't the end in Christianity where it is the end in self-help world. It's more of a fruit. 
would yeah. you say? Like it's like we're to take dominion, we're to steward and cultivate. We're so, we're supposed to make a difference and make like we're supposed to grow personally in our relationship with Christ. It's called sanctification, right? Becoming more like Jesus, uh, repenting of our sin. You know, and we do that daily, seeing the areas that we're we're flawed in and asking for forgiveness from God and from those that we hurt and learning from it and growing and getting better in our character. Character is our first point of growth, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where we glorify God, but also in, in our doing, in our actions, right? I want to do an excellent job as a pastor. Like if I stand up and preach a sermon, I don't want to take that lightly. I want to do the best job I can. And every time I do it, I see areas that I could have done a little bit better and I get better at it. Mm-hmm. I want to lead and be a good boss to our staff and I want to develop them well. And I see areas that I'm flawed in and I get better at it. I want to be a good husband. And I know that I'm flawed. And that truth about being flawed is that it actually allows me to drive towards growth in a healthy way because I want to become more like Christ. I want my character to reflect Christ for his glory and others good, not for my gain, right? That's what that's what the Bible talks about, sanctification. So the growth mindset is biblical. And and honestly, in the secular world or in the in the world of self help to where God is absent, they just have a much lesser watered down version that leads to no end. Right. And they can just keep the blinders on mm-hmm. long enough and keep going through life and they're happy. I was super happy. I mean, with what I was as doing. long as you're, I was distracted though. Yeah, because here's the deal: you're happy while you're striving towards the growth, and you see growth gains happening until you get to the place where you thought you wanted to be, and then you realize there's nothing, and then you got to come up with a whole new goal. And like, yeah, basically, you in that mindset, you're you're on a hamster wheel, constantly trying to oh yeah move faster, going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And eventually you well, every once in a while you get a glimpse of like the people spreading this gospel, like they're the ones benefiting the most from it. Yeah. Like they're the ones I mean a million dollars buying like, new Lamborghinis <laughs> every day and my goodness. Yeah, so but you gotta ignore that if you want what you, what you say you want when right. you're in that mindset. But Well and there's probably even some carrot of like, Well, I wanna be that guy one day, like telling other people how to be successful. That's the carrot, yeah. And as long as he keeps pumping you with those beliefs, then you'll keep paying them. Well, I think that's one of sin and Satan's greatest tricks is to take something that's true that God created and twist it. And Mm. that's why it's easy to get wrapped up in it because there's a part of us that knows that those things are true to an extent. That was some some of my validation when I was getting in this network was, oh, there's a ton of Christians in here. (laughs) Right. And there's there's a part of those principles that are similar or related to or even borrowed from biblical principles so it feels kind of right yeah but the goal and the end and the heart behind it is sinful and self-focused all right well this has been awesome uh we started out just identifying the ability to try as kind of the either the biggest culprit to keeping you where you're at or uh the biggest um tool in your tool bag to mm-hmm. help you get where you're going and that's you me anybody but then that fear of failure and the fear of found being found unworthy keeps right. us from doing that so that in a sense we're hiding and now we realize we don't have to hide like mm-hmm. our our sin and our like basically our unworthiness can be 
found out it can be shown to the world because we have Christ to cover that, which is amazing. So hopefully that changes some mindsets out there. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's really helpful stuff and hopefully it's helpful to everyone. And we appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, that's it for now. Talk soon. All right. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Please, if you enjoyed this podcast, like and subscribe, rate and review. Five stars, please. Also, visit us on Sunday mornings here in Mandeville, Louisiana. Service time's 1015, Sunday mornings. And uh, our website is thefieldnola.com. You can find out all that information. Peace. Thanks, guys. Later. Season one is sponsored by Gospel Folk. They are the worship band of the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. Um, You can see them every Sunday. Come worship with them at the Field Church at 10... 10, 15 a.m. if you're in the area. Um, I've been one of their pastors uh, since the beginning for the past three years, and it's been awesome to watch them grow. They write music straight from Scripture, uh, which is rare, but also it's creative, it's fun, and it's just great music to listen to. So go check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, You can find them at Gospel Folk or their website, gospelfolkmusic.com, or anywhere that music is streamed.